What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. Welcome to the Faith Over Fiat podcast, conversations at the intersection of faith and Bitcoin. We believe in the power of freedom, financially and spiritually. Hey everyone, it's Adam Moore, also known as Hoddleberry, and today I'm with Bitcoin Zay, also known as Isaiah Jackson. He wrote Bitcoin in Black America. He's been interviewed plenty of times on podcasts and TV shows all over Twitter. Uh, Zay, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, thank you for having me. Definitely glad to be here. Appreciate yeah, so I was, yeah, I was telling the story to you before. I was uh, like a couple weeks ago, I was in Florida visiting my parents. My parents were like, hey, we got to watch this. Uh, we recorded this thing on PBS. It's about Bitcoin and we should watch it together. So like I'm a captive audience and there for the week. It's uh, It was during the hurricane. Hurricane Nicole was there over our tropical storm. So we're, wa- we're watching it. And all of a sudden I'm like, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. really? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to, I need to call him up and see if he's uh, interested in coming on. Uh, that particular PBS special or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, had you on there a couple clips. It was good. Some of the stuff on there was just like, Garbage. I never heard of any of these people. They were talking about, you know, altcoins and, and all kind of stuff and some factually incorrect stuff. But I'm glad you're representing the the, the real Bitcoin community on that. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, it, it was funny on that uh, documentary. One of the only parts they included was when I said 99% of altcoins will die. <laughs> it's funny they put that in there because they used it for something else. But of course, you know, they're, they're good at editing. So, <laughs> and during actually during that segment, they were talking about an altcoin like equity coin or something like that. And like yeah. some kind of just some random <clears throat> somebody's random idea to to mo- monetize the affinity scams, you know, so. Unfortunately. So you have been uh, in the Bitcoin space for for a while, mm-hmm. right? I think you definitely predate me. What was your kind of journey to get into this? Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, going on 10 years uh, coming up, you know, in 2023. And I started out pretty young. Uh, I, I tend to think I was one of the <clears throat> only people that were in the space that was, you know, pretty young at the time and had as much impact, you know, as some of the, some of the guys who have been around for a while. And started in 2013. It started out with a roommate who worked at Charles Schwab, ironically. And they were talking about Bitcoin in 2013 in like a team meeting. And because he was more of a finance guy, he didn't get it. It was too much, you know, uh, technology for him. He brought it home to me, mentioned the word Bitcoin. And uh, I went on this journey ever since then. Uh, started out watching Max Kaiser videos and uh, I read some articles from the Winklevoss twins. And I was pretty much sold with the white paper anyway, uh, because I have a computer science background. So I, I understood where where it was coming from. And it was just like, I don't know when people say that light bulb comes on that. Oh, man, I, I, I got it. I figured it out. That was it. And once that pretty much happens with anybody in the Bitcoin space, uh, they work really hard to make sure that people understand how Bitcoin works and how big this is as far as an invention. It's uh, right up there with the Internet, uh, if not bigger at a certain point. So uh, that's how I started. And, uh, you know, I taught myself a lot of the things. I look at myself as an autodidact. I really read and dig into stuff for myself. And uh, that helped me with learning about Bitcoin early, which led me to become an educator in the space. Yeah, that's awesome. I, th- I think one of the biggest things that the space needs is people to teach other people. And right. Right. It, Bitcoin is such a big topic from like the technological standpoint, like the actual 
you know, how, how the nodes work and how the mining works and all these types of things. Um, but also the economics part, like how it impacts people's lives, how it changes their behavior. And, uh, and even, so this podcast, Faith Over Fiat, where we talk about like how your faith influences your belief in Bitcoin or how Bitcoin influences your, your belief in, in money and ethics. Um, and so you wrote, you wrote a book that talks about kind of the, 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 the impact that Bitcoin has on, on people in various communities and specifically, uh, Bitcoin in black America, um, a pretty influential book. I've seen a lot of people talk about it. Um, what was kind of your, your reasoning for, for tackling that topic from that perspective? Oh yeah. So when I first started, you know, discussing Bitcoin, of course it was family, friends, community people, and, uh, mostly in the black community, which I'm a part of. And I wanted to have, uh, you know, one one product, one thing that they could look at and say, all right, this is how it impacts our community directly. Uh, what ended up happening was because Bitcoin is for everybody, the things in the book actually can affect pretty much any community if you do it, you know, exactly how it's written. Uh, so I did speak to some of the things that had happened, you know, historically in the black community and why Bitcoin was a chance for you to be self-sovereign and not have to worry about that anymore. Uh, you know, it, to me, Bitcoin was like, it's sort of like the final solution. Like, oh man, we, we figured out the one thing that we were always missing. We've had marches, we've had protests, we've had, you know, struggles in this, in this country, but it always went back to a bank at a certain point. So it was always a centralized uh, entity that would, you know, basically uh, always have control. And that same entity is what has affected a lot of black churches, a lot of black faith. And I think Bitcoin was such a big change of pace uh, I needed to write a book in order to show people uh, this is how huge this is. And we can't, you know, make any more excuses. It's, it's, it's over at this point. Uh, we found a way to be self-sovereign. Uh, so let's let's go with it. And that's that was the premise for the book. So uh, one of the things that that occurs to me that Bitcoin is for people who are in marginalized communities or disadvantaged communities or people that have traditionally not had access. So, you know, we're seeing lots of people in South America and Africa and Asia um, get access to to banking type of services or remittances, so that's like <clears throat> a, a huge, I think, a huge aspect of Bitcoin. But but also, you know, even in America, where um, uh, arguably most people have access to a bank, you know, like at least from a um, like they're on every corner. Put it that way, you know. Right. Uh, but what still is creates inequity and inequality in America is the way that the banking system is is structured. So the people closest to the money spigot uh, get get the reap the benefits. They're the ones who get the loans. They're the ones who give out the money. And um, I don't think it's like a huge secret in the United States that that black folks are underrepresented in the the financial community or in the like you know, highest levels of finance in 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 the country. And mm -hmm. so. To me, it it seems like th this is this is a solution. Like this is the 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 game changer, the thing that makes levels the playing field. So right. it doesn't, and and not even just for the black community specifically, but for like any marginalized community, any any person who feels disenfranchised in any way. And uh, and I, I'm really happy that you're bringing that out and and explaining that to people, so that there there's not this continued sense of hopelessness like how, how are we going to how are we going to do things differently mm -hmm. you know we've been we've been doing things the same for so long um how and so in your mind like how how does this change 
life for uh, black folks in America? Oh, yeah. So I think one thing that it does definitely is it it gets rid of the conversation of race being a factor in your money uh, because Bitcoin that doesn't have that problem. Uh, we don't have, you know, redlining or any other other things that affected you because simply because of your race. Uh, Bitcoin does what I've always said has always helped marginalized communities is it gets the regulators and the tax people and all of the people who want to, you know, basically run the central banking, it gets them out the way. It, and I've always said, <laughs> the biggest thing black people do is just be left alone. Uh, if working hard is the foundation of being able uh, to use a monetary system, that's exactly what we need. And if that's all that is required, which is all it is, um, we use miners to do the, the, the first step of work. But, you know, for overall, if just doing work and earning money, uh, that to me is moral. That to me is uh, is what creates great communities. And for the black community, that's great for us. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that Bitcoin has come about. And one of the main things that I've, I've tried to teach people over the years is that you do have to change the way you think, uh, simply because a lot of people in the money system, uh, even if they went to school for it, they don't understand that a lot of this making money just because you have money interest, uh, you know, usury or whatever term people want to use actually has debilitated us so much uh, that people actually think that's how money is supposed to work. When in actuality, Bitcoin shows you that is not how it's supposed to work at all. <laughs> uh, so uh, when you enter into a new system that gives everybody a, a level playing field <clears throat> at, at, you know, at whatever levels they can get in. But of course, if you work towards it, creates a level playing field and uh, we can sort of get rid of uh, the race aspect of how money works and uh you know borders and where you live based off of how your money works and get rid of all that and uh you know use bitcoin so i i think that, that's really helpful I, and i totally agree with that now a lot of you know this is like a faith-based podcast um uh, a lot of a lot of folks in the black community are uh feel strongly about about church about church family mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're familiar with um like part of the community built in community for, for a lot of black folks is, is through the church. Right. And um, I I've noticed, and we were talking about this before we started recording um, a lot of people in, like I go to a, a predominantly white church. There are uh, minorities in my church, but it's just the, the area that I live in. Mm-hmm. And, and most people, when you talk about money from from a bitcoin perspective and even if i try to tie it to a biblical perspective of money like they kind of get it but they don't maybe don't really care so much or they don't they don't really see it as a a moral imperative to move from a fiat debt-based system to a sound money system Mm -hmm. have you have you experienced anybody in in like a, a church type of community under starting to understand these things maybe more than than the success I've had so far. Uh, so, yes, uh, I actually, when, you know, I was first getting started, you know, with my career, I actually got into uh, uh, web development as a side hustle to doing IT. And one of the clients I had was a church. Um, shout out to 15th Street Church. They were one of the first people that ever took on the fact that I would build websites and I would offer to add Bitcoin as a payment uh, method for free. And they did not really understand it. But once I broke it down to them the exact same way you said, where from a moral standpoint, how money is supposed to work, the church should be ahead of this. Uh, because if you look at you know the, the biblical text, uh, the way money should work should come as a result of your work. It's the work that you put in. It's the uh, you know 
reap what you sow it is literally in your text. So uh, you shouldn't be able to make money just because you have money. That, that That is totally against nature. Uh, you don't, you're not able to grow trees because you already have trees. You have to actually plant them and actually grow them. So uh, once they started to get that, that point, um, of course, this, <laughs> the church was a little older, so they had no clue what I was talking about. They just knew that if there was a money system where they could actually benefit from it as far as accepting it and as far as understanding the monetary system in the future, they were just preparing for it early. So um, shout out to 15th Street Church. It was you know kind of tough getting it through, but once it started, um, it kind of spilled over to my family, who I will explain. My mother's an ordained minister. Stepfather's an ordained bishop. <laughs> my father's an ordained bishop. His wife is an ordained bishop. And, uh, and my stepfather, who I grew up with, uh, he's a minister of music and his wife directs the choir. So I've been in the church my whole life. And once I got that first church as a client, sort of explaining it to them the same way I did with uh, that initial church, it, they, they got it. And when it aligns with your faith, I think it's a lot easier for people to understand why it's imperative that we push this forward. And uh, people that are Christian, you know, a lot of the things that you learn about the money system is rooted in what we've been taught in school. It's not actually rooted in uh, the actual faith that you have. And Bitcoin is lock and step with nature. And of course, we know everything natural that's been created has come from God. So uh, you're actually doing yourself a service by using Bitcoin over this man-made system. You know, who, what do you trust more, humans or math? Which math, of course, is, you know, a part of the natural world. So uh, I would say any faith-based person that I've talked to since then, they've gotten it whenever I've explained it that way. And uh, shout out to them. It's just, it's hard to push it to some some churches in the Black community. Uh, just because of age or because of experience, anything new is pretty scary. But once they get the messages, it, it works out pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing hurdle that I've, I'm coming up against in um, in the religious community is that, like, so I grew up in a charismatic Pentecostal church. Like my, my first came was coming up, so Where's there that? was a lot of like, uh, like, um kind of like word of faith movement, if you're familiar with that, or like name it and claim it. Like, you know, you sow a seed, man, you're going to get a hundred percent, you know, you so you give one car, man, you're going to get a hundred cars back. Yeah. Like that, that kind of mentality, <clears throat> which, so there's a lot of financial guilt and financial um, misunderstanding in the, in the church community, and especially in certain sections of the church community. Um, and, and that's in the, like, so, that's like the charismatic aspect of it or the, the Pentecostal kind of, you yeah. know, th that type of aspect. But then also just like um, people tend to like in Bitcoin and like in crypt, you know, quote unquote crypto or whatever, there's affinity scams or like I come into the church and we're all we're all family here. You know, I got this really good business idea for, you know, some kind of Ponzi scheme. And we're all going to get rich and we're going to we're going to make money for the kingdom of God. And we're you know, we're doing this whole thing. And, and so people I have found at churches are very, uh, when you start talking about money, they, they get real, they real start, yeah, they get real, <laughs> they get real yeah. up a little bit. And not only that, but, um, I see, I've seen like multi-layer, uh, MLMs, multi-level, uh, multi-level marketing stuff creep into the church and people get real upset because, you know, they're doing Amway or whatever, whatever kind of like, you know, system there is. And so people get real nervous about when it comes to money and they have, PTSD, PTSD. Um, so, so from, from my perspective, from like a, a biblical perspective, from a, uh, from a, um, theological perspective, you know, Jesus says, you know, the, 
the sick are the ones who need the physician. The well have no need of a physician. And so a lot of times people in maybe, you know, middle, upper class, white churches, like the financial system is working beautiful for them, man. <laughs> they've been benefiting from it. They've been living their they've been living their lives. You know, we deal with a little bit of inflation, but overall, you know, my 401k, my house is keeping up with it. And so I don't really see the need for for change so much. And um and that to me, that's like how you present the gospel to people. It's like, you know, my life's pretty good. Like, why do I need Jesus? Like, why do I need faith? Why do we need anybody? It's like, well, you don't even know that you're sick right now. Like, you don't even know where you're headed or what 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 the situation is. And so um, trying to explain to people, and I think certain people are in different levels of their journey, right? They're they're in different in different ways, they they see some need for change and some of them like they don't they do not see it. And so I'm wondering, you know, when you're when you're talking to, to folks in the black community, are how far along are they? Are they are they hesitant because they've have, they have PTSD from people talking about money all the time, or are they, you know, like what what is their what is their ground level? Because for me, it's been it's been reticent for a lot of people. Oh yeah, yeah, and I, I understand. Uh, like you said in your church, people would say. Oh, life is good for me. Why do I need it? And it's like, well, you should have more, and you should <laughs> you should actually be mad that you're getting robbed without a gun. This is like a silent tax that you're stealing from you. Uh, but in my community, uh, it is true. A lot of people are snake oil salesmen. They show up, they try and give these ideas. The church can make a lot of money, and it's gone bust. And one of the things that I've I've used uh, when I've spoken to church, different churches about Bitcoin is I I basically encourage them to use Bitcoin, of course. But also use a, a little bit of uh, you know psychology on them and, and basically uh, tell them. I mean, you don't have to use it, uh, but you'll be the only church that does it at a certain point. Uh, <laughs> and they kind of just look at you like, "What do you mean?" It's like, well, everybody's going to use it at a certain point. You might as well get ready now. And uh, honestly, I mean, you can use it if you want. You know, it's just kind of nonchalant uh, because right. I think when you come as a salesman, like you have to use it or you know blah blah, blah. And, and this is i think that kind of turns them off and uh, of course everybody has heard you know different ways financially to make it they don't want to be scammed but i think uh since 2013 since i've started churches have started to catch on more uh because i've actually talked with pastors directly and consulted them on how they can accept bitcoin for tithes and also put it you know as a savings account um and, and for themselves so I've been reached out by them. So it's starting to turn, the tide is starting to turn where it's saying Bitcoin is not going anywhere. Uh, but it was hard at first. I will say that <laughs> it was one of those things where it was like, ah, here we go. Somebody else talking about some money thing that's going to, and it, 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 you're taking the hardest part of the financial world and the hardest part of tech, and you're trying to explain it to people that have, you know, not a lot of knowledge about either. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's certain ways that you can explain it. As an educator, you have to find a way. There's no bad students, only bad teachers. So you have to find a way to actually show it to them that makes sense. And that's what I feel like I've done with a, a lot of the churches I've spoken to, but it was rough at first, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got a thousand no's before I got a yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in, in my church, like I, I've, I've come to the realization that I'm just going to start giving my money in Bitcoin and like, right. I, I'm going to set the wallet for you here. Here it is. And you're going to, you're going to take it and you're going to deal with it. Like people, people give churches and, and religious organizations, they give them stock, they give them bonds, they give them all kinds of stuff all the time. Real estate, like mm -hmm. you, you can give, you can give people what you want to give them. Mm -hmm. And I've come to the realization that, that this is the, the good money. You know, this is like the sacrifice that I'm willing to, to bring to the Lord, right. like it comes, comes from 
uh, you talk about Cain and Abel, like an acceptable sacrifice. Like this is like, this is the, the, this is the real money. This is not fake money. This is not blood money. This is not, you know, uh, money based on fraud. And so, um, when you're, when you're telling people that man, it's like, I think of, I think of the parables that Jesus talked about, you know, the, the pearl of great price or like the man digging in a field and finding a treasure. And it's like, you're trying to tell people what, what it is that you have found and they look at you like you're crazy. (laughs) Always. They really do. They, they look at you like crazy. What? And a lot of times when I, when I have these conversations, I probably do look like I'm crazy because I get, I start talking really quick. I start, (laughs) I start, you know, giving them like the history of the financial system. And they're like, Hey man, we're just trying to, we're just trying to have a drink (laughs) and you're bringing up the stuff. Um, uh, So like when when you're say, you say you're, you're talking to somebody for the first time about Mm -hmm. Bitcoin and they're like, what is Bitcoin? Like what, what, what type of, what type of tactics are you using? you know, starting off small, you know, take them to Sunday school. Like what's the, what's the first, what's the ABCs here? Oh yeah. So uh, usually uh, when I start off, the first thing I try and impart on people is that Bitcoin is the only currency that's lock in step with nature. And by that, I mean, Bitcoin is powered literally by the sun. And yeah. as long as the sun works, Bitcoin will work. As long as man survives, there will be fiat currency, which we all know that man cannot sustain themselves without the sun. And, uh, you know, one of the things I always say as far as nature, the fact that we've turned electricity, something natural, into monetary units, we Bitcoin is the only monetary system that actually works with nature and actually makes it better. As we know, with mining, it actually helps the grid. It actually helps with nature as well. And uh, any money system that does not do that, is always antithetical to God himself because he built nature for us to enjoy. And if we don't use that, then it's always going to be false. It's always going to fail. And fiat currency 100% of the time has failed. And if you have that knowledge, you're basically failing an open book test if you don't use Bitcoin. (laughs) And uh, you will have to explain that to your kids and grandkids uh, that you had this opportunity and you laughed at it because you were basically programmed throughout your life that the almighty dollar was what uh, was great. Um, so I usually start there. And uh, as far as ABCs, I always make sure that they understand Bitcoin is not crypto. I, you have to make that distinction uh, early on. Now, I, I used to think people knew that, but now the mainstream media has flooded people's minds. It's all crypto. It's all the same. It's all, you know, I mean, people thought Bitcoin died when FTX went away. <laughs> so right, yeah, exactly. you have to make that distinction. Talk about it with nature first say Bitcoin is different from crypto. And then uh, usually I try and get people to get started, get some skin in the game, learn about it uh, because uh, self-custody is all important and learning about it. You do have to learn it yourself. So yeah, I try and do those three three things to get people started. I like what you said about Bitcoin being math and and math being part of nature and God God made nature and God made math. Mm -hmm. So therefore like it's, it's the good money. It's the real, it's like the real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, some people say Bitcoin came from aliens. It may have came from God himself. He probably was looking down at this financial system and said, again, you guys didn't learn from 08? <laughs> it was like the, the the Tower of Babel, you know, like yeah, kind of. Kind of drop it off. Yeah. We keep on we keep on messing up this like the, the beautiful creation God given to us. Like, I mean, God gave us he gave us good analog money, like with gold and silver. Like that was that worked really well. Yeah. And we decided we were going to make you know, receipts 
<laughs> paper receipts for gold and silver. And then we just decided, yeah, we don't need the gold and silver anymore. Um, yep. And this, this prohibits us from making that same mistake. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And I mean, when you see how Bitcoin aligns with what Tesla called, if you know the secrets of three, six and nine, uh, as far as math, then you understand the secrets of the universe. And a lot of times when people talk about the impact that, you know, math, sacred geometry, three, six and nine, if you actually look up how it impacts, how it's inserted into Bitcoin, you may come to the conclusion that God himself may have looked down and said, OK, well, you want a digital world. But you're all messing it up. <laughs> We're moving from gold to silver uh, to something else. But you all are messing it up. And uh, we'll just drop this off here because I do find it interesting that Satoshi is still anonymous in this day and age. Like, it, it, that's nothing short of amazing. If there was a movie made and somebody was able to disappear for 14 years, they would they would be flabbergasted. So the fact that it's anonymous and nobody really knows where it came from uh, is very interesting. Uh, and I, I think that <clears throat> with uh, Bitcoin's technological advancements. Much like other technological advancements, people don't recognize it until it's too late. And that's the one thing I'm trying to prevent, especially, you know, in the Christian community, in the faith based community. You should be ahead. Remember, uh, you know, a lot of the thousands of years, they were the innovators. Uh, the, those were the people who were the inventors. Uh, people from the church were the ones who were, you know, the physicists and the people who were actually pu pushing things forward. And if you as a church think that's where you should be pushing culture forward, you should be out front. Then Bitcoin has to be a part of your strategy. So. I've talked to a couple other people about uh, eschatology and how they view end time stuff, um, as, especially as it relates to Bitcoin. So I'm, I'm personally a post millennialist, which is, you know, most of most of Christians are, are not. They're what they call premillennialists. They believe in what I would consider like a defeatist eschatology. Um, but even if even if, you know, I don't want to get like too deep into that, but a lot of people believe that. You know, the mark of the beast is going to be some kind of like digital thing or digital currency and stuff like that. And so I'm wondering how many Christians are kind of holding off on on the technology of Bitcoin because they're they're like, well, you know, this digital money is mm -hmm. is we the jury's still out. You know, we're not sure if this is, you know, the, the mark of the beast or, or some kind of demonic type of thing. Um, and I, I like the way you put it. It's like this. This is we know something by its fruit and by what it does. Mm -hmm. And so like it prevents people from cheating. Yes. It prevents people from stealing. It prevents people from, from taking your wealth and creating, uh, you know, policies, government policies that, that affect to kill people and to, you know, steal from them and things like that. So like, what, what is the fruit of Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. uh, and in my opinion, it's it's good fruit. It's it's preventing. It's anything anything that follows after the mind of God, which is you know to promote health, well being, life, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and obedience to God's word. Like all those things have to be good automatically. Yes. Oh yeah, and if you look at the current system we have, uh, it's basically ran by a lot of Satanists uh, who <laughs> masquerade uh, as whatever religion they want, but. They're actually Satanists uh, who are doing the opposite of what God would want as far as a money system. And basically, the, the premise of God may, may be dropping off Bitcoin for us is he gives you the tools you need to fight against the evil. And what you're seeing now in our banking system is pure evil. How, do, how are we missing $80 trillion in the uh, Forex market right now? How, how, <laughs> how are people able to manipulate numbers to the point where you are literally losing money just for not spending it or for not having you know the right currency, and uh, because 
this banking system uh, has used these satanic tactics to, uh, you know, use interest and, and basically make it so that your hard work goes goes away and your generational wealth can't be created. You have an option against it. And the, the, the new Satanist money that's coming is the CBDC. That CBDC. is the mark of the beast that you're talking about. It's not Bitcoin. You actually got a chance to have Bitcoin in your possession before CBDCs were developed. Uh, again, that's just a coincidence, maybe. Uh, or maybe, like I said, God dropped it off for you to have it to combat against the CBDCs, which will inevitably tie your digital identity, which will make it hard for you to travel or they could cut off your money at any point. All of that is literally uh, the antithesis of what God wants. And the fact that we can have transparency in the Bitcoin market, but not in the CBDC market, should be enough for you to realize that is that if you can keep everybody honest, that's a good system. If you still have private blockchains, as they call it, I don't even know why they call it that, but if you have private databases <laughs> um, where they can just cut off your, your wealth, uh, that's literally the opposite. So anybody that's worried about the market of beasts, yes, it's coming. It's probably in the form of Bill Gates, uh, the patent that he got, uh, his <laughs> patent for a cryptocurrency that uh, is determined based off of uh, your carbon footprint, um, which again, we can't kill the earth. I, I hate when they bring that up. <laughs> uh, but that may be it, but it's not Bitcoin. Bitcoin is literally built to combat this. One of the one of the biggest things, like you know, we talk, you talk, mentioned Bill Gates and you know his agenda of depopulation, and you know we're kind of veering off the you know the topic here, but like the the thing that tells me like what is something that's good and biblical and godly, like what is like what what types of things does does God want? And and one thing like the very first thing that God told Adam, he told this to Noah after the flood, he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and take dominion over mm -hmm. the earth. So like fill the earth. And I think the King, I don't know if the King James says this is like and team upon the earth. So when I think of like team, like, like something's crawling, creeping and crawling and completely covering, like this is, you know, this plate is teeming with ants. Like there's just so many of them. And so this, the concept of, you know, um, depopulation, you know, population control, all these things. Like we got too many people on this planet. Like God didn't seem all that concerned by, you know, the fact that we should be crawling, you know, bumping into each other all over the earth. Like this planet and other planets have enough space for everybody, at least until Christ returns, man. Plenty, plenty of space. And I think, um, people don't understand how large the, the earth is and, what it would take first of all the earth was here before us it'll be here after us yeah. uh you know i mean humans cannot destroy the earth and even though we all want the environment to be you know good for ourselves and for our kids and the kids you cannot try and scare people into thinking that humans are so bad and we're destroying the earth so much that we have to wipe out a large number of you that is i mean that's as demonic as it gets it's like yeah. you know, we want to kill three billion people so that we can have the earth to ourselves that is the opposite of, of how things are supposed to go. Like you said, be fruitful and multiply. And I think that uh, when people try to look at how Bitcoin uh, actually works is if your wealth is constantly taken from you, the ability to multiply and to have kids and to have large families goes away yep. as well. Uh, because, you know, all, all of our grandparents usually came from like eight children, 12 children. Yep. Now, today, you have people basically saying having one child is too much of a stress with my daily work, my daily life and the rat race. All the way to the point where they're trying to grow children, <laughs> or yeah, like in, in a in a pod somewhere because it's too stressful to 
which is the opposite. You're supposed to be fruitful. You're supposed to multiply. You're supposed to have children that inhabit the earth because, I, like you said, I, I think God understood how huge this earth is, how spread out it could be. Just because you, you know, put yourself in a city with a bunch of people does not mean the earth is not vast and, and massive uh, where we can all fit comfortably. We, we can all benefit here. Um, and, you know, it's just based on the work that you put in, which is, again, Bitcoin lock and step with nature. Yeah. And and the other thing is like a human suffering that does exist. And like, I'm not trying to say that doesn't exist. And some of it is because of <clears throat> lack of resources. But um, that's the, the lack of resources is usually because of government problems. And it's they, because yeah. government control or like they're 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 um, doing putting in place policies that would prevent human flourishing because the information is there, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the path to wealth and prosperity are there. And, and even the fact that we have so such great technology. Now we have the printing press that was invented in the internet, like the idea of how to build a building, how to create a farm, how to have a, a water um, system, like, you know, Flint, the big thing about Flint, not having water, like, couldn't we just rip out all the all the streets and just like literally just lay new pipe in there? Like what what is going <laughs> on over there? Yeah, it, like you could just rip just recreate the entire city. So it's it's obviously a government slash money problem. It's not a like we don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, I mean, it's mad. yeah yeah. And anytime you leave humans in charge, it's, it's going to mess up at a certain point. Especially humans who have their own greed and their own. Uh, you know, basic way that they want to do things, their own agenda. Uh, unfortunately, like you just said, Flint with water, uh, you know, just anything, any natural resource that we say we don't have enough of is a lie. We have plenty of it. Like, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a lie at some point that we don't have enough water. We're going to run out yeah. of water. Or we don't have enough farms and, and enough food to feed people. Like, how? <laughs> the earth yeah. is so vast. It's man-made. It's man controls, you know, and and greed basically trying to get their their certain way. Uh, the good thing is we know we're going to win, so uh, none of it's going to work. And I, I kind of feel like I don't know if you feel like this, but this last gasp of the current system we have is, is they're showing their face a lot more, and they're oh, yeah. a lot more open with it because I think this is like the last gasp. They know they're going to lose. God's people are always going to win out, and. At the end of the day, that's really what excites me is that I'm, we're seeing the last of their of their reign. We, people are starting to open their eyes. They're starting to realize how things are going. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just great to see, you know, somebody on their last last few steps uh, as far as the tyranny we've seen overall. I mean, so um, people like at least in the white community, like they, they talk about like the good old days, like, you know, back in the 50s where everything was hunky dory and everything was great for us. And like people were polite yeah. and, and, you know, the, the society, you know, we look on TV and there wasn't sex and, you know, violence and all this stuff and stuff like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. so what the Bible says, um, I think it's in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, do not say we're not the former days better than today. It is not from wisdom that you say that. Mm-hmm. So. Like people, you know, I, I hear, you know, old timers say this and even, you know, I've, I've been tempted to say like, you know, the good old days, the way things were that we got to go back. We got to go backwards the way things were. And like, I don't got to tell you, like yeah. the black community wasn't real happy with the 1950s. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking towards the future, brother. <laughs> yeah, we're looking towards the future. Yeah. And, and, um, and even though there are some things in maybe society and culture um, that fiat has ruined and has created a big mess, like we didn't forget what beauty looks like. We didn't forget what right. good technology look. We, we don't. We we didn't forget what quality looks like. Like we have those things, and we have the ability to recreate them. 
one of the wonderful things I think about the Bitcoin community is, is we're seeing a renaissance in things like food production, in, uh, in high quality products, right. um, and just in lifestyle and culture and how you're like, how you're living your, your life. Um, the Bitcoin community, you know, they, they say that, that phrase or whatever in my, in, you know, they say like, oh, there is really no Bitcoin community or whatever. Like, I, I feel like the people that I've met have been such high quality individuals um, who have, have been one to help me with, with technical things. Oh, yeah. I've spent time with them and their families in their houses and they've they, we, like eating dinner together with their kids, like my kids or with their kids. It's just, um, there, there's something really beautiful that's happening here. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and I've mentioned this in a previous podcast with another guest, like a lot of people who are Christians are missing out on it or like it's to me, it's almost like this is what community is supposed to be like in the, in the church or in, you know, in the religious community and we're missing it a lot or like we've become so insulated. We've forgotten what, what's supposed to be like. And so to me, it's like, I need to, I'm looking at the, the Bitcoin community and seeing, seeing so much good that, it's it's a it's pointing me in the right direction mm-hmm. as far as like how to interact with people at church and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think you're spot on there as far as the sense of community you get. I mean, I remember being younger, how churches used to be, and how you could literally show up at church and people from all different walks of life could help you out with something that otherwise you would have to pay for. You know, yeah. I have mentors who are professors. Uh, my mom and dad have had uh, the tax guy we use from church accounting wise, uh, uh, you could be a lawyer at church, you could be somebody who's into, you know, construction and they would give you, you know, tips or they would help you out simply from being in church. And I think uh, we've seen that in Bitcoin a lot. I've always said the most helpful people I've ever met are in the Bitcoin space. Uh, I mean, I've never went to meetups and went to conferences for any other thing that I've done either in tech, uh, or in my professional career and met people who were so willing to help you because we realized we're in it together much like uh, people who are in the same uh, spiritual or religious space. When you know you're in it together for a, certain, a common goal, you're more likely to help each other and put sort of the ego aside and a lot of the other things, especially uh, when you know there's so much to learn and that you can never technically be an expert because it's always more to learn. So same thing with God. Nobody knows everything about God. It doesn't exactly. exist. So you always have to constantly learn. Um, and, you know, not trying to compare Bitcoin to it, but there is a learning gap that, a learning curve that's always going to happen with Bitcoin. The more you know, the more you realize you don't. And I, I think that brings people together as well. Uh, and it's just great to see. You're right. I, I feel like Christian people are missing out uh, on a large scale because when you talk about the foundation for why people would form communities, if God is number one, money should be number two. I mean, it's, uh, as far as like, what, re- what are we doing here? What is the output of the work you're doing on, on earth? You should be able to have a good money system and, uh, of course, family uh, in there as well. But, yeah, I, I love that you made that comparison, starting to see the same thing. And I think we're getting we're going back to it, sort of. You know what I mean? Like like you said, we shouldn't look back to the past, but that, that feeling that you have of, of the past is starting to come back. So as far as like well, the reason why I'm starting to <clears throat> philosophize as to why people are looking to the past is because maybe when they're when they're younger, they're being shielded from all the bad and the negative. And they're like, man, things were better when I was like, when I was, I grew up in the eighties, mm-hmm. you know, like I remember Saturday morning cartoons and I remember like going to grandma's house and I remember like a lot of good positive things. But then I realized like what was going on in the eighties, mm-hmm. you know, a lot, lot there's a lot of crazy stuff that was happening, you know, cold war and just 
lots of bad things happen every year. You know, yeah. there's just, yeah. yeah, the way yeah, I just didn't know about it. And so um, when you become and like Apostle Paul says, like when you become a man, you put away childish things, you put away like your your view of the world, the way you thought it was or your night, your the fact that you're being so naive about the world. But as a kid, there, you I think that there is a sense in which, or at least for me, like I knew what the world was supposed to be like. Like I knew that, you know, people were supposed to be kind to one another, people were supposed to love one another. People were not supposed to hurt and defraud one another. Um, and I, and so I'm like I'm feeling like I understand I understand these these things and these truths as a, as a kid. But then the world that I'm I'm in right now is not that way. Not at all. It's, it's the it's the opposite. <laughs> and so anything when when you're talking about like God, maybe Satoshi was an angel, or maybe you know God, you know, dropped this out of heaven for us. It's like anything that is helping us move toward a society in which things are are just and good and fair and right and righteous, um, moral, ethical. You know, it's almost like, you know, you know, the, the, the famous line from Google or their, their, their tagline was like, don't be evil, you know, but in Bitcoin, you say like, can't be evil. It's, yeah. it's you, you, you know, you might be able to use it for some bad thing, kidnapping somebody or whatever, but like the, the system itself can't be defrauded. Yeah. You can't be corrupted and it can't be, it can't be ruined by somebody's whim or greed or whatever, or who, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, it's funny. I've heard people say, well, what if Satoshi sold all his coins? I said, well, that would be Bitcoiners would be rejoicing. They would say, well, it's a million more coins on the market. Uh, yeah. This is about as good as it's going to get in a scarce uh, market because people think that would kill Bitcoin. You can only do it one time, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, he That's can only, dump he can only do it one time and then we go back to normal and, uh, you know, TikTok next block. And, um, you know, one of the things stated there where we said maybe God dropped off Bitcoin, I kind of want to rephrase that um, because technically Bitcoin has always been here. We just yeah. had to discover it just like everything else. It's always been here. So God had it from the beginning of, of time. He just had to discover it. So technically, yeah, I mean, we can't say God created Bitcoin because we, we had to have those steps to get there. But it was always here. We just had to, to find it. And, uh, you know, I love the fact that you, you know, are basically... Uh, putting in uh, the 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 way that people are starting to see how Bitcoin helps their lives. But we also have to look at the people who don't see it, how they're starting to recognize it at this point. Like I have family who they have been pushing against Bitcoin since I've started. But even now, today, when you mention it, they're like, well, we know it's inevitable. It's going to be. And this is funny. I'm like, well, before it was, it was not inevitable in 2013. Trust me. <laughs> it was, it was everything but a child of God back then. It was a Ponzi scheme. It was, you know, fraud. It was a scam. It was everything. But today, people are seeing it's inevitable. So at least we're hitting that point, that inflection point, where the doubt of Bitcoin being around is going away. But it's more of how can I use it, or how is Bitcoin different from this other crypto project that I'm looking. You know, that, that's sort of the the push now. And uh, of course, we got the regulators coming up, the big fight, uh, which we already see happening uh, in front of us. And you know what, the, this, this past dip, um, it hurt for, I think a lot of people because I, I had orange pilled a lot of people, you know, and it was much easier to do when it went from like 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, it was much, much easier because people were seeing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, we had this big dip and then somebody called me out on social media, on Facebook, 
mm-hmm. the other day, like, you know, what do you think about the crash and all this stuff? And I'm like, you know, just cheaper, <laughs> cheaper coins right now for you to buy. But like, I think what's going to happen is that the inflation situation that we have right now mm-hmm. and we've had for a year and once once the price starts really kind of going back up to 20 and 30 and 40,000, I mm-hmm. think it's going to be the most face melting thing you've ever seen because people are going to, they're putting together the reality of the inflation mm-hmm. and then they're going to see, they're going to FOMO in like nobody's business. So, yeah. And I, I think, uh, and I think a few things are going to happen to, to start that hyper Bitcoinization event. Three main things. First thing, I think the SEC or some regulatory body is going to get rid of 99% of cryptos. They're just going to either say they're unregistered securities or they're going to use some law, how we test or whatever, and that money is going to flow into Bitcoin. Second thing is the paper Bitcoin is starting to, to go away. Celsius, yeah. Three Arrows Capital, FTX, uh, even Grayscale is at, at risk right yeah. now. All, all the paper Bitcoin is about to be gone. So people are going to really see the, the centralized exchange crunch they're going to have. They're not going to have the supply, they said which is just going to make the price go crazy. And we've already seen $10,000 candles in one day. I think we're going to see that multiple times. And then the the third thing is the holders. People are basically doubting Bitcoin at this point uh, because of the entire market. But what they don't understand is Bitcoin is the only uh, money system that there is within this space, simply because most of the people are so hardened with holding that they're never going to sell, that Bitcoin is always going to have a base level. Other cryptos can all go away. at, At a certain point, Ethereum, everything uh, can go away. Bitcoin has such ardent holders that it's inevitable that at a certain point that supply is going to be so small. Maybe next happening, maybe 2028, uh, where you're basically you're going to miss it because you won't be able to push the button fast enough to buy. <laughs> you're going to be staring yeah. at $10,000 candle, $10,000 candle, $20,000 candle. And what's all it's going to be is the fact that exchanges are going to say, we don't have the Bitcoin to sell we can't yeah. we can't have another ftx we can't do they, they just saw that example they're going to say well we have to have our reserves you know at least close to one one they're not going to have it so it's just the prices people are just going to say well all right well i'll take half a million all right well i'll take if you really want you know, and that's you know sort of how these markets work that's gonna be i mean that's always been my question you know so like robin hood paypal some of these other um you know they're selling bitcoin or they're selling crypto on their on their platforms mm-hmm. but like you can't withdraw it Exactly. So like, once we kind of get to a situation where people are getting the money off of exchanges or, you know, the money that's on exchanges is really like one, you know, the regulatory system is such that, you know, if you say you have it, you got to have it. It's right. not it's a fractional reserve system like, mm-hmm. like somebody else. It's like this is you, you got to have the goods. <laughs> yeah. Leave that for the banks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, if, if we. If the tide went out and we saw who was swimming naked, you know, we saw the people who had no, no Bitcoin on their balance sheet or like, you know, they were trading paper IOUs. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the price would, would skyrocket. Totally. So I think right now it's, that's just right now what's happening is just the coils being wound, the springs being wound real tight. Right. And exactly. once, um, once some of these dominoes fall, uh, I, I can't imagine. I mean, yeah. I'm surprised it didn't happen so much with FTX. Yeah. Um, or maybe we're still going to. Like the, maybe the reason that mitigated it was the 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 lack of confidence in the system in general. Mm-hmm. But once once we work some of that out, I I think yeah. um, I think you'll see some price action. Oh yeah, definitely. And then uh, with the introduction of Fidelity, um, which you know I've talked to a lot of uh, different companies who you know are Bitcoin or crypto companies, so to say. Fidelity is the only team I've seen where their digital assets team are Bitcoiners from 2011. Like they have real Bitcoiners that 
really want it to be able to be impactful. And they also ha happen to have billions of dollars, actually, I think trillions uh, of assets under management. So when you talk about that coil being wound up and springing, when you're talking about people putting it in 401ks, and we're not talking about, you know, one time, we're talking about consistently buying Bitcoin and having it one-to-one. -one. I think that may be one of the catalysts for that. Uh, and even though price doesn't really matter, it's more about the percentage of the supply you have. I would tell retail right now, these are the best prices you may see in Bitcoin. May dip a little bit more. These are the best prices I think you're going to see in Bitcoin for the next forever. I mean, this is... This is about as low as we can get. I think maybe 10000 or so. Again, don't care much about price. But for people who need to see that, um, you're going to be kicking yourself at the amount of Bitcoin you could have gotten uh, versus in the future. And plus, just stacking Bitcoin in general should be a part of your routine. So if you get into it now, it won't be so hard as when you see this price increase. Man, I tell you what, <clears throat> I have I have, a, I have a home equity line of credit sitting there and I haven't pulled it. I have not pulled the <laughs> I don't oh, yeah. and i'm like I'm you know leverage for this the end of the year just for that <laughs> leverage leverages can get you wrecked and that's like a kind of a form of leverage you know but like mm -hmm. it's it's seventeen thousand is looking really really cheap when yes. i'm when i'm thinking about when i'm looking at the past chart and like i look at the the parabolic run <laughs> uh, we're not even close and i mean even even fidelity's uh macro guy he's come out and said Bitcoin could hit a billion in 2038. Now, do I know that for sure? Nobody does. Um, but this is the same guy who also said that it, it could hit 100 million in 2030. So they they are really bullish because I think they realize that if you have constant buying and the supply of Bitcoin is only getting less, the next happening is going to be brutal. I think it's going to clear out. <laughs> Most retail is not going to be able to get one Bitcoin ever again. This is, this is the, your shot. Um, and I think... You know, they know something we don't, I think, as far as macro wise. But if you're a true Bitcoin, you already know as long as FII is being debased, uh, Bitcoin's value is going to increase. So it's, it's just a natural progression uh, in a deflationary market. And of course, um, you know, this is how markets are supposed to work. Real demand with a provably scarce supply always gives something value. So, uh, I mean, it's again, to me, it seems so easy. But when you explain it to people, it, they've been so programmed, they think to themselves, no, there's no new financial market that's going to pop up. Of course, you wouldn't think that. The, the last time we had a financial market that started was 1913. There's not yeah. many people that are 109 years old that remember a uh, financial market when it was greenbacks and when it was you know, more controlled by local credit unions. Uh, Federal Reserve came and changed every this whole generation. Everybody that's alive has no clue that there's other ways that money should work. And uh, you know, I'm just glad to be a part of the group that has. It really feels like kind of odd when you put it so like you're getting me hyped up right now. Like the way you're talking, like I'm thinking, you know, am I going to be kicking myself because of the trips I've taken and the, you know, the steak I've eaten and the iPhone I bought, you know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, nobody's time preference is, is zero, you know, like you have, you have a time, like you are living your life, you know, like my kids are only young ones. So we took, I took them to Universal this year for a day, whatever it cost me. Uh, cost me the the equivalent of like, what did it cost me for one for one day for with six people? Like it cost me the equivalent of maybe, uh, you know, five hundred, you know, uh, five million sats or something like that. I'm like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, from when I started, I, I still do that. Like I, I look at how many how many sats that I spend because when I started, Bitcoin was around 180, 200. and oh, wow. um. Some of the times back then, giving away, I used to give away 0.1 Bitcoin to a lot of people. 
just looking back at a point one Bitcoin, I was literally giving people two thousand dollars a pop, and they didn't realize it. Uh, <laughs> so think about ten years from now, it could be you know basically I was giving people a hundred thousand dollars a pop and didn't really realize it. So it's always going to be there. So I, I always kick myself too. But one thing I like to do is definitely stack sats that I don't have to trade or buy. So for instance, you know with services like Fold and Lolly, where you can earn sats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can earn sats back for purchases. Uh, there's this new app, Carrot, where you can earn sats for reading articles from Bitcoin Magazine. You earn sats from that. Um, you know, there's one now you can earn sats for walking. Uh, you can earn sats from podcasting with Fountain. Like everybody listening, trust me, you don't have to buy it or trade it. You can just earn it and yeah. you won't be kicking yourself if you do that consistently. Uh, and you look at the purchasing power of Bitcoin in the future, your uh, your grandkids, ancestors, your whole line will be glad. They'll be like, I'm so glad grandpa, grandma had the foresight to realize <laughs> one sat or uh, one Satoshi is equal to, you know, however much wealth. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Every, every day, man, I got my, I got my Lolly app. I got my, I got my Fold app. My, kid, I love, my kids love every single night, like mm -hmm. right before we go to bed, my kids are like, they want to do spinny thing. They call the yeah. Fold one. And then they, they, for some reason, they like spinny better than treasure chest. Yeah. But like the lolly one always gives me more sats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Satoshi millionaire from lolly between lolly and fold. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Just, just doing things I already do. Spend, exactly. Give rewards. And uh, also too, I do, I'm glad you mentioned your family for anybody listening. Uh, anybody in your family, if you explain this to them, my family, we've done it. I have uh, two brothers and I have about 12 other cousins. I've done this with as many phones as you can use. We're all stack of sats. And I showed them how to send it to a lightning wallet. That is the, the adult or college fund for the next generation. Literally yeah. just send this three sats to a wallet and it takes less than five minutes a day. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know what, I'm starting to think like, like I could ritualize, like why I'm doing it with my kids, you know, and uh, I need to ritualize it, you know, like, all right. We say a we stack some sats. We say a prayer. <laughs> part of it. It's just another, just like a little reminder to, to actually, you know, do something. Maybe, maybe I'll start like a Bible app. You know, you read so many Bible verses a day. <laughs> that is a, that sounds like a billion dollar idea. If you want to get started, I would love to, to work with you. On that. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin Magazine did it pretty, pretty simple with Carrot. I mean, five sats for reading the article, five sats for reading the passage is, is pretty easy to set up. You can definitely do that. I, the thing is, I need to, I need to figure out how to fund it, <laughs> put the sats in there. I got, I, do I, I got some people for you. We, we might be able to get that funded easier than you think. Uh, hit some people up because, uh, you know, honestly, uh, when I look at some of the activities people do, five sats in today's money is, is nothing. It's less than a penny. And, you know, rewarding people that, you know, we can work out the mathematical side of, of the rewards. But I think rewarding people for good behavior with sats actually creates a better society. So, for instance, uh, there's a guy right now trying to create a chess app, learning how to play chess. Mm -hmm. I learned how to play chess when I was a kid. I think it's great for the mind. Play chess for sats. Yep. I mean, reading Bitcoin Magazine, reading for sats, the smile, uh, S Miles app, walking, literally, the more you walk, the more sats you get. If you encourage good behavior by uh, giving sats, I think that is how we build a better society. Uh, and ultimately, I think the best we could probably do as far as people, uh, you know, getting sats for certain activities, um, you know, showing up for church services or reading scripture, like you just said, is easily got to be one of the top five things in America that people do <laughs> that will be considered moral and holy and, and good to do. So, uh, yeah, that, that might be a killer app we need to work on. That's yeah, man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> you read, you, read uh, you know, chapter a day and you get your, you get your sets. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
man, this has been, this has been, uh, so every time I have one of these podcasts, like I get so excited by other people sharing with me their journeys, you know, what they've been through and how, how Bitcoin has changed their lives and, and for the better. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Isaiah. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, where would be the best way for them to do that? Oh, yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at uh, Bitcoin Z-A-Y, Bitcoin Z-A. Uh, also daily, Monday through Friday, we have the longest running uh, Bitcoin and crypto podcast in history, The Gentleman of Crypto. Um, and you can find us there Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. So we're at uh, show 1030, still going Ooh. strong. Yep. So uh, you can catch me there. And you can buy uh, your book, Bitcoin in Black America, Amazon, other oh, places. Yep. Amazon, Books a Million, anywhere you want to look, Bitcoin in Black America. And uh, Bitcoin in Black America 2 will be coming out at the start of next year. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we may have to come back and do a part two with you, uh, discuss the second book, because I do discuss uh, a lot of the spirituality that goes into Bitcoin in the second. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I, I, I would love to have a second conversation with you. So look forward to that. All right, Zay, thank you very much. And uh, until next time, everyone, keep the faith. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Faith Over Fiat podcast. Your access to Bitcoiner testimonies of how faith influences their belief in the best money ever created.